Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Hi, and welcome to another special COVID-19 episode of On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me today is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. With the current shelter-in-place order throughout California to combat the spread of COVID-19, Damon and I are practicing social distance by recording this episode remotely our first Zoom pod. We're going to continue our conversation regarding COVID-19 and update everyone on the topics that relate to PORAC members and the law enforcement during this health pandemic. Well, what has it been about a week since we last uh, talked about this? Yeah, about a week. I think, uh, I mean, almost two weeks now, actually. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell what day it is when you're when you're working remotely and uh, it's it's been a different process up till now that... Uh, can't say that I like it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, more, more, more video conferences, more teleconferences and doing almost our entire business via the telephone. It's been very interesting. Today's uh, episode is going to be dedicated to the three California fallen officers, uh, Santa Rosa police detective, Mary Lou Armour, and to watch was March 31st. And then we had two Riverside deputies who passed away within one day of each other. Uh, Riverside County Sheriff's Deputy Terrell Young, end of watch was April 2nd. And then the other Riverside County Sheriff's Deputy David Worksman, whose end of watch was April 2nd. Express our deepest condolences to their families and their colleagues uh, in the community. And uh, this sort of really goes to one of the issues that we're going to talk about a little bit later in regards to uh, workers' comp. But uh, with that, I have some good news out of the federal government. I just received notice today that the uh, Bureau of Justice Assistance, uh, they administer our Public Safety Officers Benefits Program. Basically, they're stating that they will cover first responders, law enforcement officers uh, that have contracted COVID-19 and have died. Uh, They're going to cover that under PSOB. There's no real specific details on it yet. But they did make the announcement, which I think is great news for law enforcement, uh, not only here in California, but nationally. Yeah, I agree. This will hopefully help us uh, in our fight to find a presumptive ruling on the COVID-19 uh, you know, for our uh, first responders. You know, our message out there is we've been obviously pushing really hard at the federal level and also at the state level with the governor's office to make this a presumptive for workers' comp. But we know that's difficult with a uh, an illness that takes anywhere from two to 14 days to show symptoms, very difficult to find where your exposure may have come from and then, you know, be able to tie it to work. So, um, you know, we've been stressing the importance of documentation while we continue to pressure, um, you know, our legislature on making this a presumptive. Yeah, I think you're spot on on that one, Damon. And, um, you know, just to let people know that our PORAC headquarters is closed, although I'm working here every day. I know you're in Fresno area working every day. Our staff is working at home. They are coming in every once in a while to, uh, to, to check on things and make sure things are functioning. But I think it's important that the the workers' comp is something that we work on super aggressive right now, but also, you know, long-term. Anticipate that until they find a vaccine for this, uh, we could be experiencing this again at the end in fall of 2020. Absolutely. And, you know, this may 
to a certain extent, be some of the new normal, these the teleconferences. And I know that I had a, and I've been doing it for years, but they have the telemed now. I had a follow-up appointment with a doctor and um, normally it would have been in person and it was through a, a video conferencing now. And I, I, I kind of think that this is going to force folks to find this as more more the norm than, than not. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the, uh, the tele or video conferencing, you know, we did our tele town halls a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago and uh, huge success, excellent turnout at 156 plus uh, elected officials and their staffers on that call. Gave us an opportunity to uh, to really push our priorities uh, unfiltered to the people that have the ability to make the changes that we're looking for and to support us. Out of that call, out of the San Diego delegation, Senator, uh, State Senator Ben Wesso and uh, Assembly Member Tasha borner Harvath put together a letter, a San Diego delegation letter, basically supporting our um, making the priority distribution of PPEs, the first responders. Fantastic letter. Uh, we were really happy that they, uh, they stepped up, uh, got all of those elected officials to sign on that letter to make sure that our, uh, our first responders are getting equipment. I know uh, we read that the hospitals are short and are limited, and they're dealing with the, the patients of the COVID-19 but, uh, you know, our officers don't have the ability to social distance. So we clearly need the uh, equipment. Uh, we need it now. And we've been working really hard to, uh, to make sure that agencies that don't have it have it. Um, what are you hearing down in, uh, in the Valley? Are you getting any feedback on uh, how it's being handled down there in regards to the shortages of PPE? Um, so far, so good. They had a pretty good supply. And um, although they were getting short, they still had some. I think they could always use more from the folks I'm talking to. They've been getting new shipments and some of the uh, local Businesses have been donating a lot of product from, uh, you know, hand sanitizer to, you know, Rush 10-8, who does a lot of our promotional items, is now making masks for uh, for our guys. So I think that's a, you know, just the cloth mask, obviously not the N95s, but anything to help. And, I, it, it, you know, I think you have to have, think outside the box. And, you know, I picked up some hand sanitizer. It was made by one of the local uh, breweries uh, just yesterday. So, yeah. It's a little bit different. Yeah, definitely a a big shout out to our uh, California distilleries and breweries. I mean, talk about a group or companies that have really stepped up and have provided the hand sanitizers uh, statewide. I mean, the stories, I can't wait till we start writing about these and putting them in the magazine because, uh, I mean, we're getting incredible stories about how these distilleries have stepped up and are producing all of this hand sanitizers and they're distributing it to not only first responders, but to the hospitals. So I want to give them a big thank you for all of the work that they're doing. I mean, just, I tell the news media when I talk to them, I go, it's such a testament to the American spirit that, uh, you know, during times of crisis, we really do pull together and uh, we become, I mean, we become even better than what we are. And it's just just phenomenal to see the amount of people that are stepping up to support this. I agree. Now, if we just get our electeds to, uh, you know, band together and uh, focus on the, the task at hand and keep the partisanship uh, uh, aside, but we'll see. It is, a, it is an election year. Absolutely. So we did a uh, we did a survey to our associations uh, in regard to what their top five priorities were. Uh, it was between uh, PPE, disposable examination gloves, hand sanitizers, eye protection, and disposable gowns and single use coveralls. 
the number one request was the uh, N95 masks. Uh, we know they're in short supply. I just saw the governor in the state of California have just brokered a deal to get 200 million N95 masks a month for several months. Hopefully the supply chain can, uh, as soon as they get those in, they can get those distributed fast as possible. As we work through our priorities, the one thing that I have found um, is everybody needs to try to work through their emergency operations centers, uh, whether you're requesting PPEs uh, or tests or quarantine housing, it should all go through your EOC and then they can communicate with California OES. So that's been one of the big takeaways that I've uh, experienced in trying to get uh, all of the uh, priorities PORAC met uh, over the last week and a half. So we didn't think there was going to be any real big surprises on that. And one of the big takeaways for me on the survey was we have people actually going privately to their own doctors to get tested for COVID. Um, I think it's very unfortunate that we're having to do that. I think this is where the state really needs to step up, take charge of making sure that all first responders are tested uh, whenever they need to be tested. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, trying to come up with a process or at least a protocol for everyone that, that we're all following on the same page. Um, we're working on that with the governor. Um, we do have a, on our website, we have a COVID landing page that kind of help our members resources and the, you know, whatever information they may be seeking. And then obviously they can always reach out to us. So, you know, it's a big priority for us here to provide that for the membership. Yeah, the landing page has a lot of good information on it. We have an important resource. Department of Homeland Security just came out with a new protocol for law enforcement. Uh, and how to deal with the COVID-19. That'll be on our landing page here shortly. Also, if you need to get a message that's directly related to COVID-19, we've set up an email. It's called COVID-19 at PORAC.org. COVID-19 at PORAC.org. If you're an association leader, really looking for best practices, any side letters that have been written in regards to testing, quarantining, requesting PPE, anything like that, if you could send that up to us, because uh, we have a lot of smaller associations. The presidents are working full-time. They're out there working those 12-hour shifts or longer. They don't necessarily have the time to be able to research that type of stuff, so they reach out to Damon and myself, and I need to be able to, uh, to provide them with some good solid information that they can take back, then it helps them ultimately protect their members. Absolutely. As, as we've seen both in our local agencies, you know, that the struggles of coming up with a process, you know, I think when this thing first came out there, there, and I wouldn't say it wasn't taken seriously, but no one really knew what the right way to go about things were, whether they needed to wear masks, not wear masks, wear masks, at certain times. And now they're, we're to a point where they're asking them to wear masks all the, you know, basically nonstop. I think I know a lot of our officers here locally are wearing more of the, uh, the cloth type masks just for daily for normal. And I think they're switching to the N95s when they have a go into a situation where they believe there may be a someone infected or someone that's sick trying to not, uh, go through those masks too quickly because they are such a hot commodity. With the testing and the, and the PPE, you know, we just recently sent a letter to the governor that's on the landing page requesting urgency around uh, making sure that those N95 masks are getting out to the first responders, but also providing safe places for officers to be able to be quarantined if they do test positive for the COVID-19 or are displaying symptoms because contamination is a huge issue, especially since some people could be asymptomatic and passing the virus around and they don't even know it. 
So it's really paramount that the this testing gets up and running on a full-scale measure for first responders. And I think this is, like I stated earlier, I think the state really needs to get on board with this and take charge and be the leaders of this. You know, you hear stories uh, like in Oakland where, you know, the association there had to broker a private deal with a private company and they're expanding that program. And then down in San Jose, San Jose had to broker a deal with the county to get their officers tested. Are you hearing anything down in the Central Valley or Southern California in regards to how uh, officers and deputies are being tested? Um, not really. I have not. You know, I talk. I keep in touch with uh, Eric Schmidt from the DSA and then obviously um, Todd Frazier from Fresno POA. And I haven't heard that there's been too many um, problems getting tested. If they believe they've been exposed, they've been able to get that testing done, at least to my knowledge at this you know, no one's reached out uh, with anything to the contrary. Well, I think we're going to close it up there because we're going to try to do more of these in the coming weeks. Hopefully, uh, California is going to see its peak here very soon. Sort of hard to tell, and I'm sure you, everybody out there is probably reading a lot of stuff. And now we're hearing May. California is going to peak in May. I thought it was going to be this month. So I'm not sure what it's looking like, but I can tell you out of all the entire nation, I think our state has just done a phenomenal job of addressing this. I mean, would you want to be in New York right now? No, I don't think so. I feel, uh, you know, I feel really bad for our colleagues, Ed and Vinny over there, the NYPD, uh, the Sergeants Association. It's just, it's crazy to see what they're having to do for their members. We're here in California, we're, we're it's bad and, and we have a lot of requests but the reality is, is it looks like the supply chain is, is going to get filled up. It's just a matter of getting it out there where over there, I mean, they're begging and stealing from everywhere to get PPE for their officers. The, the numbers, it's almost like one in four of the NYPD has been infected with the, or not infected or maybe infected with the coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, been exposed. Man, praying for those guys. Uh, they got a tough job. New York's already a tough job because of the amount of people there, but this makes it even tougher. So is there anything else you uh, you want to close it up with, uh, Damon? No, just that, uh, you know, that you and I are both trying to, you know, keep the uh, pressure on our electeds and uh, keep our ears to the ground with with our uh, members, you know, recognizing what the needs are and hopefully uh, doing our best to, to make sure that they're getting that. That's our goal. And uh, we continue to work hard, you know, trying to make sure that we're taking care of our people. Absolutely. And I'll close it up with the uh, hazardous exposure listing program that PORAC offers. It's free. It's on our website. All you do is fill out the information. Basically, a secondary place where you can put that type of stuff. And we all have our own protocols within our agencies on how to uh, to address exposures. This is just another place where you can document it. It's yours. It's safe. It's confidential. And you can print it out when you need it. So please visit uh, Porac.org and check out our uh, hazardous listing program and also uh, check out our COVID-19 special landing page. We have a lot of information on there. We have some resources, all our letters. Like Damon said, we are working uh, extremely hard up here to make sure that that Porac's priorities are being met and that our elected officials make sure that they keep us in their mind as they're crafting legislation and executive orders regarding that. Back to that help, uh, you know, it's it's on our COVID landing page. You know, we spoke to it a little bit about, you know, trying to get the presumptive for COVID-19, you know, for workers' comp. Documentation is the number one thing, whether no matter what it is when it comes to the workers' comp. And this just gives you another tool to make sure you're documenting, you know, any type of potential exposure you think you may have. You can document it, even though it's your, your self-documenting, it gives you a, a record and with a date that, that you can go back to if you need to, to, to prove that you were exposed in, in at work. Yep. 
Very true. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us on the special COVID-19 episode of On the Job with Porak. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your ideas for upcoming episodes. Join us on all our social media platforms and be sure to tag us with your suggestions. Go to porak.org, porak.org to learn more about California's largest statewide law enforcement organization representing over 77,000 public safety members. You can thank Damon for that big number. Make sure to check out and share our monthly podcasts and past episodes on porak.org. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever available. Lastly, we'd like to say thank you to all our Porak members and our nation's law enforcement for the incredible work being done during this uncertain times. Be safe and have a great day. That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter. 